my friends. This is Yami Virgin with Sinclair Broadcasting in San Antonio, Texas for another edition of Immigration Crisis, the fight for the southern border. There's Title 42 and the basis for Title 42, and then there is also the asylum law. And I always remind people the reason we have asylum laws is we returned people to die in World War II concentration camps, including children, because we did not want Jewish refugees on our shores. You know, it was it was a horrific chapter in our history, and we regretted it, and so we decided that we would always want to err on the side of not returning to people people the persecution and torture and that's why we have the asylum laws on the books on december 21st title 42 the trump era policy which kept asylum seekers from coming into the u.s during covid and kept them in mexico will legally end but what does that truly mean immigration attorney amy maldonado who specializes in employment immigration cases, including representing Major League Baseball teams, sat down with us to talk about the changes and what it truly means. We are now joined by Amy Maldonado. She's an immigration attorney who always contributes to the podcast. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. A lot coming up for you guys in the news, right? Yeah, there's a ton of stuff going on. There's um, people... You know, legislation in the lame duck session, we'll see if any of that goes through. Um, and of course, there's all of the, of course, there are all the court cases around the country and all the Trump appointees. They're doing all kinds of, issuing all kinds of rulings that affect um, immigrants. So most recently, there's this ruling on Title 42. So, yeah, exactly. And that's coming to an end December 21st, and I've been reading some of the stuff that's been put out in the last 24 hours, including uh, U.S. officials considering barring some asylum seekers, uh, also prosecutions of illegal border crossing. I mean, explain to us, I get it. I, I understand, you know, we have a lot of people coming in. We all understand that, but people always say we're a nation of laws. So explain to us what the law says right now for asylum seekers. So, I mean, I think there are two sets of issues, right? There's Title 42 and the basis for Title 42. And then there is also the asylum law. And I always remind people the reason we have asylum laws is we returned people to die in World War II concentration camps, including children, because we did not want Jewish refugees on our shores. You know, it was... It was a horrific chapter in our history, and we regretted it, and so we decided that we would always want to err on the side of not returning to people people to persecution and torture, and that's why we have the asylum laws on the books. So under the asylum laws, you have to be physically present in the United States to apply for asylum. You are. It does not matter if you enter without inspection or cross illegally, or if you present yourself at a port of entry. And part of what's caused today's crisis is the Trump administration unlawfully restricting people who are trying to turn themselves in to seek asylum at U.S. ports of entry. So what will happen at the end of Title 42 is we will go back to being a nation of laws and honoring the asylum laws, um, and we'll need a process to deal with the disaster that is 
you know, the impact of the Trump administration. Um, but also, you know, as, as you and I were talking about earlier, Yami, there is a reason that our borders are crowded. There are political crises in mm-hmm. Venezuela. There are climate crises around the world. There are, there's war in Ukraine. I mean, and Afghanistan. We have refugees from all over. And refugees is a technical term that applies to people who are outside of the United States. Refugees and asylees are the same thing. But asylees are basically refugees who are in the United States, but they have, are seeking the protection of those laws basically here instead of from a camp. Now, mind you, there are no refugee camps anywhere in the Americas. They don't exist. Exactly. So, and, yeah. and they do have them in Syria. The largest one is in Syria, right? Right. I mean, outside of Syria, but it's a lot of Syrians. It's full of Syrians. It's yeah. full of Syrians, correct. Yeah. So why don't we have so, one in the Americas? Refugee camps are terrible. I I think they're inhumane. They t- It takes years for people to get through that process. They're living in tents. They're living in squalor. Their kids aren't going to school. Like, I think the asylum laws are great. But let's talk for a minute about Title 42, and then let's talk about reality. So Title 42, and I always try to point this out, and it's like we have some kind of collective amnesia, is a public health law on the books from, I think it was from the 1930s or 1940s. And it basically says that the president can use public health laws to restrict um, travel to the United States. So Stephen Miller, who has hated immigrants since he was in high school, you know, this is not a surprise, came up with this policy before COVID. He tried to push to invoke Title 42 in 2019 based on an outbreak of mumps, and then he tried it again in 2019 when Border Patrol stations had outbreaks of the flu. This was a was basically a white nationalist policy of looking for an excuse. It was not a response to COVID. It was never a response to COVID. At the same time that the government told asylum seekers that they could not cross or be processed into the U.S. due to COVID, the land borders had millions of border crossings every day with people with visas and border crossing cards who did not have to show proof of vaccination until January of this year. Um, So there was no public health reason for this policy. It was always about restricting access to the legal asylum system. So that's number one. Number two is reality. We are in a nationwide labor shortage. There are articles. Oh, and if you want to look up the history of Title 42, there's a May 3rd, 2020 article in the New York Times outlining everything that Stephen Miller did to try to use Title 42 before COVID even existed, to our knowledge. So just know that that's out there. It's been in the public record for years, but people, they won't, you know, they won't acknowledge it and they continue accepting this talking point that this is about public health, which is false. Reality right now is we are already in a nationwide labor shortage. We have a healthcare worker shortage. We do not have, um, our visa policies have not changed in decades. There are not temporary work visas for all the jobs we have. There are not permanent paths to immigrate to the U.S. for all the jobs we have in the U.S. We are desperate for workers, um, and that's even including the 12 to 20 million people who are undocumented who are already part of the economy, right? On top of that, we still urgently need workers. We don't have them. We don't have a way to get them. You know, it makes no sense to me that our politicians continue to have all these restrictive anti-immigrant debates when this 
their immigration policy is driving us into not just a recession, but it could it could literally wreck our economy. You know, my husband's an economist at Michigan State University, mm-hmm. and we talk about this at home all the time. The only path out of where we're going is immigration, because the workers that were short, according to my husband, um, need to be about seven or eight right now, and you can't just wave your hand and magically produce a bunch of seven and eight year old Americans. Mm-hmm. They don't. Do they're not, they don't exist, right? Yeah. So what do we do? I mean, and, and here's the thing. Right now we have about 15 states, predominantly Republican-led states, that are suing to keep Title 42 in place, Texas being one of them. I can tell you this. Operation Lone Star uh, basically got a, 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 not a kickstart, but a bigger push by the governor declaring that we have been invaded, uh, saying that more resources would, would be going out to the border. Last week on Monday, I wrote about seven hours with Sheriff um, Sheriff Martinez, Joe Frank Martinez, down in Valverde, which is Del Rio. Can I tell you that between Del Rio and the entire tour that we took via car, including three hours on a Caliche road, I did not see a single DPS trooper, not one. And we were on the border. We saw maybe... I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. First of all, the state of Texas has no business declaring any... I mean, that's just a bunch of political grandstanding, and it's... Frankly, it's stupid. It's stupid. It's political. It has nothing to do with anything. The Constitution says that the executive branch has very broad power over immigration, and the power over immigration is not does it's not delegated to the states. It is specifically delegated to the federal government. So, I you know had Trump not appointed all these wacky judges um, who are upholding the you know I mean there's that like Tipton's ruling had absolutely no basis and contradicts the statute, which is why Amy Coney Barrett actually joined the liberals to vote against um, upholding the injunction. But it's, this is just, it's, it's stupid. We need common sense, reasonable policy. Nobody wants to cross illegally. No one does. If people who could seek asylum or who even people who want to come work, which we're always hearing that everybody's an economic migrant. I have yet to meet somebody from Central America who doesn't have a colorable asylum case um, (laughs) just because of this situation. Yeah. But um, What, what what is the solution? Because at the same time, we need workers. I'm seeing restaurants here shutting down, not enough workers. Long wait yeah. lines because yeah. they don't have wait staff. They don't have yeah. enough cooks. Yeah. Yeah. So when we need workers, what is the alternative? Why can we not come to an agreement that we are going to do a guest worker program like they did, you know, in the 1950s, 60s with the Bracero movement? I mean, I will say this. I don't believe in guest workers. And the reason I don't believe in guest workers is because... I think that should be an option, but I don't think we should be like France and rely on a population of of immigrants who are never part of the United States. That's not what we do. You know, we're not France. We are a nation of immigrants. We, you know, famously, 
generations of, you know, first generation immigrants come and they work hard. Second and third generation of immigrants are able to move up. You know, the um, this uh, my nanny who I love to pieces and who my daughters who are 18 and 20 are still close to today. She walked her from El Salvador when she was 18. Her daughter is about to graduate with a doctorate in occupational therapy. I mean, wow. we know who immigrants are. And, you know, I, I always get calls from Republicans who say, oh, you know, I've got this great housekeeper. And mind you, my nanny always had a work authorization card. So a lot of people employ people who are undocumented, and yet they vote for policies against this person who just goes to church with me. They're the nicest person. They're a good community member. They support their family. You know, they do all these great things what can I do to help them? And I tell them nothing because our laws are terrible and they need to change. But when you talk to lawmakers behind the scenes, they will acknowledge that we desperately need workers. And, you know, the conversation I had in April when the American Immigration Lawyers Association did a national day of action and we all talked to our state lawmakers, behind the scenes, they're like, yeah, we need workers. We're not passing an immigration bill in an election year. I mean, it is just... It's appalling that politicians are just operating on their own self-interest and not the public interest. Because we need leaders. We don't need a bunch of, you know, basically, you know, grandstanding people who have no solutions. Mm -hmm. We need solutions. We need leadership. Exactly. Exactly. And many people, including, you know, many of the sheriffs that I... I do work with, you know, on the reporting side along the border say that neither party really cares about them, not the Democrats, not the Republicans. No one cares what they're going through at the border and the solutions that need to come. They definitely all agree, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, that neither party is working for the people, that they're working for their parties. So with that said, what will it take? I mean, it just seems like there's no one that can be the level head saying we need to come up with a solution. Let's sit down and start figuring this thing out. Well, and maybe we need, um, maybe we need a third party because you know, you know that I'm an independent yanni. I am not a Democrat. I am not a Republican. And part of the reason I'm not a Democrat is, you know, when. For example, when the Dobbs decision came down, we had a Michigan Democratic legislator who did yoga on social media, on like Instagram or something. Nancy Pelosi read a poem. And I'm just like, could we please have some sensible, real world solutions for literally anything? So the Republicans, you know, they're just, they've gotten to this populist place where they're just beating up on immigrants all the time for their own individual benefit and whipping up hatred and fomenting discord. And we don't need that. We don't need that as a country. The Democrats are, you know, off being these woo-woo hippies who, you know, want to talk about uh, just all this bleeding heart stuff. And I'm like, can we have a conversation about practicalities? Can we talk about how we need workers? Can we talk about how we need healthcare? Can we talk about, you know, um, the fact that dreamers who grew up here, I mean, I, we all agree that dreamers should have a path to status. Everybody agrees. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. 
But the Republicans are going to hold off on the DREAM Act saying we need more enforcement at the border. We've had decades of failed border policy under Republicans and Democrats. And Tamar Jacoby, who um, works, I don't know if she still works for an immigration think tank, but she worked for an immigration think tank for a long time. She always said if the speed limit on the highway was five miles an hour, we'd be a nation of lawbreakers. Wow. And that is our immigration system. We have a we have a five mile an hour speed limit. There is demand for workers. There are people who are desperate to come here, and there's no path for them to do it um, in terms like through their employment, for example. And so we're in this situation where people use the mechanisms that are there, including flee. I mean, and I'm not saying just because. If I were in Venezuela and I wanted a job, I would come here. I'm not saying those people don't have asylum claims. We know how oppressive the Maduro and Chavez governments have been, right? So there are people with asylum claims who also have economic desires to come to the United States or somewhere else. Uh, It's just, it's maddening. It's absolutely maddening. Do you think the lifting of the Title 42, whether rightfully, you know, used or not, is going to yeah. serve as a welcome sign for people to keep coming in. Um, I mean, our law says that if you come to the border and you can establish a credible fear, that you and a credible fear is like a fraction of a ten percent chance. It's a tiny likelihood that you will be able to prevail on asylum because we decided we didn't want to send we didn't want to send children back to their countries to die anymore. You know, we did horrible things in World War Two. Um, to people fleeing the German government. There was a boat full of children that got sent back. And yeah, I mean, there's a reason we have these laws. And if they, if people don't want to be a beacon of hope and liberty and they don't want to offer safe haven to people who are fleeing persecution and torture, then they need to change the law because the law says that that's what we are. I don't support that. We have, you know, George Will, um, I actually really like George Will. George Will said that we should be welcoming everybody at the border. We've got plenty of room for them. You know, he's a famous conservative, but he's a small C conservative. Right now, you mentioned also that you have people who want investor visas. Mm -hmm. Are they getting the investor's visas? Are any of these visas that are business-based getting approved right now, or are we seeing a backlog also there? Oh, God. It is absolutely horrible. Anthony Blinken, who's the Secretary of State, has not done much, if anything, to rebuild the devastation in the State Department after COVID in terms of visa issuance. And I'm talking about immigrant and non-immigrant visas. So people processing for green cards outside the country, people seeking temporary work visas. Um, The Biden administration has, I mean, I, I have a whole side practice right now in suing the government for denials of extraordinary ability um, visa petitions. These are for people at the top of their fields. I had a Japanese sound engineer who was nominated for two Grammys for a Stephen Spielberg Academy award-winning film denied because they didn't think that he had played a leading or critical role. He was the lead sound engineer for an organization with a distinguished reputation. So I guess Steven Spielberg's film company isn't good enough for these people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the decisions we're getting are crazy. The The wait times for visa appointments are very long. Um, I have a Brazilian investor who spent millions of dollars in the U.S. 
and has been in process for an uh, investor-based green card for about six years now. She finally got approved about a year ago, and it's going to be another two to three years to get her an appointment at a consulate so she can <laughs> file for her green card. And this is just ridiculous. It's, it's, it's a broken system, and neither party is addressing it in the way that we need it addressed. And I hope, you know, it's my hope, my representative is Alyssa Slotkin. I feel like she's a very reasonable, moderate, moderate centrist, and she's one of the problem solvers caucus. And I hope that they can lead in this area and say, look, guys, like, we need to solve the problems. We need workers. We need, you know, decent foreign policy. We need to rebuild the State Department. We need... So, yeah, I hope that, that something can change. But honestly, you know, I have been an immigration attorney since 1998, and I have only seen things get worse since I started. <laughs> Yeah. And I, for years, I was like, it's got to get better. It's got to start getting better to my clients. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And Title 42 was a reprehensible, disgusting low because it was so false, the basis for it, and it was so politicized. So, you know, when Title 42 came out as a Stephen Miller white nationalist proposal, the CDC rejected it. And actually, it was rejected within the Trump administration when they tried to when he tried to use it for mumps and flu. And when I say he, I'm referring to Stephen Miller and not Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get Biden into office, and Biden wants to, you know the optics at the border to look better. And all of a sudden, the CDC supports Title 42. You know, Mike Pence overruled the CDC under Trump, and it's it's disgusting on all sides. Well, let me ask you, and 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 this it was interesting to me. I also read that. Cuba has agreed to start accepting, you know, flights of people being expelled from the U.S. Oh, yeah. What is that about? There were some, it was retaliatory. And there was a reason, I can't remember why they started accepting it again. Um, But I know that that's happening. And so we're, once again, sending people back to dictatorships, you know, um, and why? Why are we doing that? Like, Eddie Cuban, who's admitted or paroled, automatically gets a green card after a year because of 1950s hysteria over communism. And so Cubans have the best immigration policy in the country. But why are we trying to deport a bunch of Cubans? I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I don't have a problem with having a bunch of Cubans here, other than the fact that they're, you know, super Republican Trump supporters. Well, it just, yeah, it just seems amazing to me that we're sending back people to communist countries. Yeah. When, you know, that's the story of the United States has been fighting for democracy all over the world. And I understand that we can't take everyone in. But at the same time, these are people that have forever come in seeking asylum. So what has changed now? Do we not see them anymore as being a positive influence or positive, you know, workflow coming into the United States when some estimates are that we're about 11 million workers short? Yeah, we're absolutely desperate for employees. We don't have them. And we're headed into a recession. The only way we have a, a negative population growth ratio. So, for basically, there's 
for every two people, it's like 1.73 children are being born or something. Mm -hmm. So our population is declining. Um, and, you know, that caused huge economic problems in Japan, which is another famously anti-immigrant country um, and very insular. And, my, yeah, we, we need millions of workers. We don't have any path to get them. There is no reason that we don't give, you know, everybody who comes and is admitted as an asylum applicant is entitled to get an employment card after five months. And those people will be going through the process for a while, for several years. Incredible. And they, they could fill a huge gap in this economy. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're also talking down here. I know the, the county judge in Hidalgo County is still asking President Biden to come down and see the, you know, unmanageable situation that's going on at the border. And it's on it's on both sides, because at the same time, we're expelling people into Mexico and we're creating once again, you know, a humanitarian crisis on the border. So is this Mexico at any point, should they have any responsibility for these people that we're throwing back across? You know, I mean, they should have a responsibility to say no to us, in my opinion, because Me we've turned Mexico into a giant detention center for the United States. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Incredible. And Amy, the number also, and I get the daily numbers on the number of children. Yesterday, we were above 10,000 unaccompanied minors that are in the custody of the United States. Where? Yeah. Where? Where where are we at on that? I mean, what's happening with these kids? Where do they go? Do they just stay in custody until they find uh, a, a family member or a friend of a family member? Most um, most children who are unaccompanied are unaccompanied because their parents send them across the border because they're it's too dangerous in Mexico. We know that people are being assaulted and robbed and raped and killed in Mexico because they're they're vulnerable. They're just, you know, vulnerable to cartels, vulnerable to all kinds of different things. And we put them at risk in that way. And so like I have clients who were separated from their children for a year. The children entered and went to their aunts. And it's a process to get them out. You have to really work hard to get kids out of that system in a reasonable time, even though they may have U.S. citizen or, or permanent resident family members. And they just stay there waiting. Yeah. And, yeah. We're, and we pay for that. Of course. Yeah, we pay a lot for that. All right. Well, Amy, I really appreciate it. <laughs> I often talk to people and they say, well, she a Democrat or a Republican? I go, I, I think she pretty much dislikes everybody equally. <laughs> I do. I will say, yeah, I do. I do. Because the hypocrisy of going back to the Obama administration, you know, when Obama was the person to put children back in detention, Obama put kids in cages. My representative, who I adore, Alyssa Slotkin, signed off on putting unaccompanied kids in military barracks. And you know from the, from prior conversations we've had with CDP, mm -hmm. we don't need to treat the border like a law enforcement problem. It's mm. not a law enforcement problem. It's a humanitarian crisis. Oops. We need social workers. We need support. We need to pro an orderly process to comply with the U.S. laws around asylum. Those laws are on the books. We can't, you know, all these people who are like, oh, illegal this, illegal that. It's illegal to violate the asylum laws. Nobody cares about that. 
you know, it, it's so hypocritical. And like I said, the, the Democrats, you know, they talk a little bit better of a game, but then they get into office and they're just the same. Yeah. And it's, and we're seeing again, what we saw when the borders closed, when title 42 came into effect, I mean, we're seeing Venezuelans sleeping on the streets, Haitians sleeping on the streets in Juarez, Matamoros, Reynosa. I mean, we're talking about areas that are, I mean, I won't even go across some areas of the border anymore because of how dangerous they are. And these people, yeah. you, you stand out. Even though you're a Latino, they know that you are not Mexican. They know <laughs> they can pick yeah. you out right away and a lot oh, of people yeah. get kidnapped. And why is that important? It comes back to if the cartels are making money, that's money that they use also to push drugs north. So we're helping them by pushing those people back. We're creating yet another industry for the cartels, which is yeah. kidnapping and extorting well, money out of people. Smuggling. Yes. Yeah, human trafficking. And people, you know this, I mean, you see it all the time. People die. Nobody wants to cross the desert. If we had an orderly process, that would be, that's really what we need, you know? Um, because we are creating all of this opportunity for criminals to profit. And it's because we're not respecting our own laws. And that's a problem. Yeah. And leadership. It seems like there is truly a true leader would find a way to compromise between the parties, the two parties involved, which are the Republicans yeah. and the Democrats. And true leadership cannot just turn a blind eye and say, that's it. I'm taking the ball and I'm not going to play anymore with you, which seems to be I what's agree, lacking. But I will say this. It's very difficult. I mean, I told you, I talked to Republican lawmakers behind the scenes and they will acknowledge we need illegal immigration, and then they'll go on Fox News and talk about illegal this, illegal that, and they won't compromise. And you know, the Democrats—I don't even—I I don't even think they really care. Or like, for example, um, when they could have updated the registry law, they let themselves get shot down by the parliamentarian. When Mitch McConnell got shot down by the parliamentarian, he threatened to fire the par parliamentarian, and the <laughs> parliamentarian caved. You know, the Democrats just are spineless. And honestly, I, I've always said immigrants are like the pro-choice um, or the pro-life contingent of the Democratic Party, the people that always get promised and never deliver. And, yes. you know, we've the pro-life um, pro part of the party, the Republican Party, got their delivery. But I saw David Jolly saying, we never wanted this to pass. Incredible. Well, Amy, we will see what happens between now and December 21st. We will be down at the border again. You know, I'm, I'm feeling a sense of deja vu from, from when Title 42 was lifted last time. And let's see what it's going to look like this time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be problematic because there's such a buildup of people at the border. But that was caused by years of... The federal government violating the asylum laws, not creating a process when they could have. There was no reason that they couldn't vaccinate um, asylum seekers and process them in. This was never about COVID. And it just is what it is. Exactly. Well, let's yeah. see. Let's see what happens. I'm still keeping my fingers crossed that at some point we will come to an understanding of what the needs are truly of the United States as a whole. We need workers. 
We need an orderly process and we need one that doesn't take 20 years for people to be able to come in and work when we need them to come in and work. So, well, thank you, Amy Maldonado, immigration attorney extraordinaire for uh, coming and joining us on the podcast today. Friends, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Immigration Crisis, the fight for the southern border. I'm Dami Virgen with Sinclair Broadcasting in San Antonio, Texas. Until next time.